When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And this time, we're opening the time capsule to bring you our thoughts on films that have long since been forgotten, left to gather dust as the world of cinema races forward. In this time capsule episode, we'll be talking about Swiss Army Man. Remember, there will be spoilers, so as always, do proceed with caution. (laughs) Made it so far. (laughs) We watched this one recently uh, for the first time. What did you think? Oh, so sorry that I'm getting used to this new format. So Yeah, it was really jarring, wasn't it? When we do um, older films that aren't new releases, we're going to just get straight into... Yeah. the film itself so it makes it nice and accessible to people who yeah aren't up to date so yes probably shorter episodes but not yeah. quite mini episodes no no so swiss army on what did i think um obviously we picked Ooh, we've not done a plot have we not yet would you like to do that then no no go on then have yeah. you got a synopsis i have actually come on then <clears throat> Hank is marooned on a desert island and has lost all hope of survival. We meet him as he is preparing to hang himself, but the appearance of a corpse washed up on the shore stops him. This body has all manner of curious abilities and against all odds, Hank and his newfound friends set off on their adventure back to civilization, learning all about each other on the way. It's a good synopsis. Did you like it? I did, yeah. Mm. Um, So what did I think of it? So we picked this one because, well, we've been wanting to start this time capsule episodes for a bit now. Um, And we picked this one because of our affinity for everything everywhere all at once. And this is also by the Daniels. Just Daniels? Daniels, which just feels really weird to say. Mm. This is also by by Daniels. Daniels. Um, And we like a bit of a silly film. And we'd heard this one is quite silly, but with a deep meaning. I mean, if you've ever watched the trailer... Which I don't think I actually had watched the trailer, you know. Do you know what? I'm going to put the trailer in the episode notes. Yes, we'll do that then. Um, What did I think of it? So where it starts, you're very much kind of lured in and thinking, "What what is this actually about? So Hank is like on the verge of hanging himself. Um... And then this other body um, with a character called Manny um, washes up on the seashore um, and then the story starts. It kind of, I don't know, it's a good film. It's strange. It's got... 
weird sequences where you're almost laughing, but then also a little bit creeped out. Um, mm. What did you think? What were your initial thoughts? Um, I was prepared for a bit of a weird and wild ride. Well, I'd heard it's like it's a bit of a stoner film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I got a weird and wild ride. Yeah. Um, not really sure how I feel about sort of towards the end. Like, it's been sitting with me a while. And I can't quite work out what it was trying to get at. Well, I think, and when we get to it later about star ratings, I think it, one of the reasons why I gave it what I gave it is because I actually think the premise or the meaning behind it, I didn't fully understand until I've kind of read up on it after. And there's two things going on there. One, you shouldn't necessarily have to do that. And two, I could, I potentially might not be clever enough to have got it um which could be a thing um but it's very weird from the start so straight away you've got fart in humor um <laughs> and you're just like Love a good fart is joke. this just gonna Farts will never not be funny well no but you it, whilst they're never not funny you don't often get films with like loads and loads of fart like fart jokes well or... i think that's why that's part of why I enjoyed most of the film is because, like, the jokes were just stupid, like, unoffensive. Not many people really go there generally because fart humour doesn't always land, but because it's a film, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, and, you know, anytime anyone ever does, like, fart jokes and things, all I think of is my dad because, like, growing up the whole time, he was always like, Ned, farts will never not be funny. They are funny. Whereas um, other types of humour you grow out of. Yeah. But it's just, it. it's even just the way it starts. You've got somebody who is in a bad place, take about to take their own lives. And then within the next 10 minutes, he's riding Manny back through the sea, powered by his farts. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like a bit of a breakneck um themes switch it goes from dark to light so you quite yeah. quickly go right this is a dark it, comedy this yeah. is this is a funny film which is going to deal with it's close to the edge of stuff yeah, yeah. um which is going to deal with some stuff um but what was quite interesting he starts on an island but i thought what well, is it a symbol and he's not actually on an island because as the film goes on and we see what the story actually is, yeah. he's not actually in the middle of nowhere either, really, um, when he gets to the mainland. And I just thought, is it kind of a... What I took from that is he's kind of... He's marooned on an island in his he's mind. Isolated. Yeah, and isolated from society. Um depressed. It, yeah. yeah, it's really it's a film it is about depression, how isn't isolating it? depression is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how much I want to get into, like, all of that just yet. That feels like the concluding. Yeah, topic. well, that's one point I would say about the film. You've just got to go with it for a while. And then it all starts. Because then it does start to, oh, I get this. But it does take right up until probably the, the last 15, 10 minutes where what has come before yeah. makes some sense. Yeah. Anyway. I'll yeah. tell you what. How many uses for a corpse can you think of? Oh, I, I didn't think that many. I've got a list here of the ones but... I could remember. Yeah. I've got seven. Go for it. 
speedboat, which we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Water bottle, which is fun because they find a knight in a cave in the middle of nowhere um, on their journey back to civilization. And it's pissing it down, and they're probably cold and hungry and stuff. And then um, the rain just ends up sort of trickling into Manny's mouth, being a corpse, he's not really bothered. And then the next morning, it turns out he's a source of apparently limitless drinkable water. Yeah. Which is quite nice. So that's how Hank is able to survive his isolation, which is nice. Um, what else have I got? Hydraulic pump. There yeah. were times where he had to like chuck stuff up and loop it over trees and stuff, and he was using money for that. Shower. Yeah. Use of water, really. Blowtorch. Mm-hmm. Because he lit his fart on fire to scare off a bear. Which I have put is probably one of the funniest scenes in the film, the yeah. bear scene. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It was funny. Um... What else have I There's got? a gross one. Is it the one I'm about to say? Compass. N- Compass? Oh, uh, what's the gross one? Using his teeth to shave his beard. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. Because we were like, yeah, oh, that's minging. <laughs> but um, there's like a f- full sequence in it where we see him using his corpse for loads for different of different things. things. Like I laughed at the bit where he shoots a load of fish. So he shoots stuff from Manny's mouth to kill, to catch fish. And I thought that was quite a funny mm. one. Um, but yeah, we should say that the corpse is kind of reanimated and so, talks to Hank. And It's not immediately the case, but I think as Hank becomes reliant on who turns out to be Manny, Manny starts to seemingly out of nowhere develop the ability of speech so like he's still dead but he's not yeah and that kind of only really makes sense when you think about the fact that it's all a metaphor yeah oh Um, i've realized what you mean about what they use for the compass yeah so (laughs) manny drops his no hank drops his phone manny finds it and hank's background is a picture of a woman um, who it turns out is called Sarah. And is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. Yeah. And um, you don't really know why initially, but Hank gets a bit embarrassed about why Sarah is his background. So he tells Manny that the phone is his and Sarah must be his girlfriend. Mm. And then Manny gets a boner. And his Bonner. his dick becomes the compass, but it doesn't point north. No, no, it points to Sarah. Um, so they yeah. use that to navigate. Weird film. Um, <laughs> so, so there's that. Yeah. Um, do you know what I like about Manny? Go for throughout. it. Throughout, because he's obviously doesn't remember anything of his former life. He's new to the world and Hank is teaching him everything he knows and stuff um, as they survive. Um, He almost has like a, I don't want to say childish, but it's like, it is childlike. It is frank and like shameless perspectives on stuff that people would probably not think twice about because it's just either normal or acceptable or, well, one of the notes I made was kind of how 
it reminded me the way Hank teaches Manny about life and the way it works and all that kind of stuff. It reminded me of a premise where if an alien landed on Earth yeah. and you were trying to explain, it's. Did you ever in school where they said through like a lesson, write out how to pour milk? And Explain you had to write to like uh, instructions and how you would say it. To, it's very like it's very like that. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting to see all the things that we just do secondhand, or all the societal norms that are yeah. just instilled in us all. Yeah. To have to hear them explained to somebody who doesn't understand them. Yeah. Did make them seem a bit silly, which I guess was one of the one of the points of the film. Yeah. Um. Um, so another apparent ability, I think it's an ability of Manny's, but I'm not entirely sure, is he's able to almost resurface some memories of Hank. So that's when we sort of start to learn a bit about who Hank was before he ended up marooned on this island. Um, and it's also where you start to realise why he's a bit embarrassed about Sarah being the background on his phone. Yeah. Because um, he only knows Sarah from riding the same bus. Like, they've never spoken. She doesn't know who he is. Um, but he's apparently in love with her. And I, th- I think this is almost where it started to lose me a little bit. I think he's got low self-worth, hasn't he? Yeah. And he, and he says, like, I could never approach a girl like like that. Which is a fair point and a commentary on society again. Yeah. But then I did think it's a bit creepy. It kind of... um, I don't know. It was like towing a line, which I'm fine with. I like it when cinema tows the line. Oh, yeah, there's no point, like, film and TV not not pushing boundaries, is there? So... So, I mean, before we get to... All of that. Hank is teaching Manny how to talk to women because Manny's like, oh, well, Sarah must be my girlfriend. What do I do when I meet her? Mm. So um, I thought this actually was a bit cute. Um, Well, after I got over how weird it was, Hank dressed as Sarah so that Manny could practice speaking to her. And then they ended up kind of connecting a little bit and I think they had a little kiss. They did. But even that, like the fact that Manny doesn't get that he's kissing a guy. Yeah. There's like no talk of, oh my god, I just kissed another man. Yeah. He's just seeing Hank dressed up as, as Sarah. Sarah. Um Um So who's the one so it's Hank who's infatuated with Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that bizarreness... So this film originally premiered at Sundance before it got a general release, and people actually walked out um, because ah. they found the premise a bit alienating and a bit too weird, um, which you do so, hear at film festivals. Yeah. How long is it, actually? An hour and 40, I want to say. So it's not a long film. No. Um, and you, it does take a good long stint of sticking with the weird to get to any sort of grounding. Um, So not too far after the 
role play, mm-hmm. um, they do end up making it back to whatever town Sarah lives in, which I imagine is the same town that Hank is from. Well, we discovered that he actually wasn't and that actually far wasn't from the house anyway. Yeah. Um, and obviously, well, he kind of, him and Manny sort of stumble out of the woods into Sarah's back garden. Frightens her daughter. Frightens her daughter. And then, you know, obviously Manny's a dead body and Hank looks like shit because he's been stuck in the woods for probably days. And he's just been attacked by a bear. And he's just been attacked by a bear. So she calls the ambulance and the police and stuff. And this is where it all sort of starts to come clear. What I didn't understand is how Hank's dad turns up. Maybe he's an emergency contact or something. If they're local. Yeah. And it might be a small town. Like, people probably just know him. Yeah. But the thing I think about it is it takes so long to ride through all the weirdness to get to this ending. And then the ending seemed to be over in like 10 minutes. Yeah, it did. Yeah, we said, oh, they should have fleshed out a bit at the end. Not to explain it in the sense where it's just like a big exposition dump and you have to say what's happening because that's rubbish. No, that's too far. It could have just done with I needed a bit bit more more time to work out how I felt about Hank because at that point I realised actually he's a depressed, lonely young person with no real friends or connections with anyone. He doesn't really like his dad, Mm. which would make me feel sorry for him. Yeah. But then he's also taken a picture of a random woman on the bus and saved her as his screensaver, which is also not exactly appropriate behavior. No. It's a little bit like incel-y. Yeah. And I don't, because I don't know which of those is more Hank, I don't know how to feel about it, which is why I can't quite land on it. It's why it's stuck in my mind for all of these days since we watched it. Speaking of a bus, though, that scene where the Duke recreate the bus, yeah. like I've wrote that the, I really like the props and the sets and how inventive they oh are my God, to yeah, that was my recreate real yeah. life. You know, they recreate a bus. There's like an audience at some point um, made out of just bits you would find in the woods. Yeah. And I thought that really was really, fun. really inventive and, and clever. It was almost like Gooniesy. Yeah, Gooniesy. Yeah. I like that word gonna use it yeah yeah i think um soundtrack was really fun like there was some good upbeat like almost bops in there um apparently i was reading that they they actually played the music on set as well to help the actors because it put them in the frame of mind of of what what was happening so um and i really liked like the lighting and things it kind of it was a bit almost dreamlike for a lot of it, and then it came out of it. And was a yeah, bit it was almost a bit and... whitewashed, like it had a hue over it yeah, that was yeah. a bit pale and white, and yeah, yeah a bit dreamlike. Like and then it, it made... comes like crashing into reality when he does. Yeah, um, um, there was a lot of Jurassic Park references, which exactly. you know, if I asked Daniels, I, I would say to them, I guess. You like Jurassic You know, Park. you clearly admire that film, and it might have got them into movie making, maybe. maybe. Um, but... Daniels, if you're listening, 
yeah. up for an interview. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just a weird... Like, I, I guess before we get to the full kind of meaning of the film and how it then concludes, which we have mentioned a little bit, I would just give like to give a shout-out to both Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe for their performances. Um, Brilliant, yeah. Like, Paul Dano, Dano's um, performance was more of a stereotypically good performance because he was just a normal person with problems. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Daniel Radcliffe as Manny, who's almost a reanimated corpse, kind of, mm. that must have been particularly challenging to do. And I'm sure there was some practical effects. And some... Well, I think there is a life-size mannequin of Daniel Radcliffe yeah. in existence. I imagine he's probably kept it. I would keep it if it was yeah. me. But and this, when like this went into production, this won't have been that long after he finished Harry Potter. And one thing I do admire about Daniel Radcliffe is he's obviously got so much money from Harry Potter films that he really takes some massive creative swings post Harry Potter. Um, and I do, and this continues that. I mean, he did that play Equus, didn't he? And everyone was saying, do you remember when he, oh, he's got his willy out straight yeah. after Harry Potter? Um but then take some massive swings. <laughs> <laughs> but then he did like last year we've not watched it yet, but he did that weird Al Yankovic story which was meant to be really cool. Um then he did this weird film where his guns were nailed to his hand called Guns Akimbo, which I've not seen, but I remember people saying weird. Um he did Horns. Do you remember Horns in twenty thirteen? I feel like I remember it, but I can't remember much about it. Like, he has done some pretty blockbustery type. Now You See Me Too, do you remember those magic films? I mean, if you're um, going to use a word to describe Daniel Radcliffe's career since Harry Potter, I think diverse is probably a good one. Yeah. Have you seen what's gone on with Harry Potter? Uh, not Harry Potter. Um, Daniel Radcliffe recently. No. He put a picture on of his girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, and the internet, horrible people on the internet were saying that she, oh, she must be trans because she looks like a man. And it was one of those days on the internet when I was like, you know, when you're just exasperated by things and people mm-hmm. are just jumping on board and being really horrible. Yeah. And I swear he's had to kind of release a statement and said, stop, basically. Um, and I just thought, yeah, just horrible. Because um, I think he, you know, I you've think got he too is a bit time on your hands if you resort to bullying strangers on the internet. Yeah, transphobes think Daniel Radcliffe's pregnant girlfriend is trans. Um, but yeah, just I just think, oh, just horrible. What did turf stop being misogynistic to other cis women? Challenge failed again. Um. That's a man. This man slash woman has more masculine features than Daniel. I hear I, her slash him's voice is even deeper than Daniel's. I just think, oh, fuck off, you horrible people. This is a bit of a segue, but I just thought whilst we were talking about... um, But there was a really good tweet where it says, Suzanne, what she's called, brilliantly Mm. demonstrates here exactly how transphobia is also based in misogyny, how it's all about unattainable and oppressive standards and actually nothing to do with trans women at all, which Mm. was a... You know one of those tweets where you think, I could... I'm thinking it, but I could never articulate it in that kind of way, which annoys me, but I'm just... I stumble over my words. 
Um, Your brain moves too fast for your words to form. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, great performances. And I mean, yeah, I did say that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it as well. But like, this is very much a two-person, very small cast film. And yeah, there are some other people. There's a coroner, there's a police officer, there's um, Hank's dad, but they're in it for literal seconds aren't they so um there was one funny bit which i did laugh at how where much more have we got i've got a bit more yeah wow where hank put manny to bed when the dad had found a bottle of vodka mm. and it reminded me of putting you to bed when you've had a really big drink <laughs> where like your limbs aren't aren't working aren't working um the only bit i've got left now really to say is just the meaning, I guess. So, well, why don't we take a quick ad break and leave people on tenter hooks? So we'll do meaning, star ratings, and how gay is it after this short break? Is that I've, what you're telling I've me? Prepared you a quick line to read. You know, you're wondering how many stars we gave it and where you can watch it, and especially what the gaydar is telling us. So we'll be right back after this break. Go on then, what did it mean? What did it mean? Yeah. Okay, so. Manny's childlike and shameless interpretations of these conflicts conflict with what Hank considers as socially acceptable behaviour. So it's all about kind of societal norms and pressure. Yeah. Hank loves Sarah, but Manny doesn't realise she's just a woman from the bus and is already married and a child. So what, like... What is the actual meaning of how that ending? And I've kind of looked into this a bit and done a bit of reading around it because, as I say, I don't think I fully understood what it was asking. It was it was trying to t- make me think. Mm. But as Hank notes, there are seven billion people running around looking for happiness in friends, girlfriends, or one true loves. In this way, Hank teaches Manny that one finds happiness in other people. Pursue happiness your own way outside of societal norms and constraints. Which that last sentence I thought was quite nice. And I did pick up on that, um, but not fully realised, I don't think. But, you know, it's just about, yeah, don't cave into how society expects you to behave. Because if you don't behave that way, it leads to a life of... No, if you try to morph yourself into what society sees as acceptable leads to a miserable life, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily... Obviously within reason, you know, like no, you can't no, be a serial like... killer and live your, live your life or... I think when stories try to remind people that it's more important to be yourself than to be what you think other people want you to be... It's not because being a societal normie is a pathway to misery. It's because denying yourself your truth That's what I mean. is the pathway to misery. Like that's you could be normal I mean. and that be your path. No, but why. some people think your normal isn't normal. Yeah. And I did the quotation marks there for people yeah. who can't see us, which is all of you. Yeah. Um, but what we all think, like we always joke, everyone's weird because that could be us kind of saying 
well, weird is normal because everyone has their own little traits and quirks. Oh, and... Is that what you take when I mean when I say that? No, but I've just thought of it now. Oh. Like, we're all weird, but if weird we're all weird, everyone's normal. Yeah. And again, one of the Daniels being neurodiverse oh, so clear. is very clear <laughs> in this film as well. But they explore those themes. I think it's nice. Like, yeah. that's two films now that they've done it and yeah. they haven't done I don't think they've done many feature films I think they did shorts before these um, yeah they did quite a few shorts yeah they, these love? are the two this and Everything Everywhere is their only two free feature films so is it? yeah in my mind they've got like a back catalogue of so many no this is what I mean um, when I say I'm really interested to see yeah. what they do next because they haven't done that much outside of kind of short short indie yeah. films and a bit a bit of TV yeah um, Just on neurodiversity, I really like, you know, when there are people in your life that you love mm-mm. who are neurodiverse, it means that you notice it where others may not. And I think I love when, like, artists and filmmakers and writers and TV presenters, I don't know, I love it when all of their little quirks make them good at what they do. Um, and yeah, it just gives me all the warm and fuzzies. It reminds me of that that book about autism. Which one? Curious Incident. Of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah. I loved that book. So, um. I read it when, when I was 13. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Star rating? Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those occasions where our stars have aligned. They do align quite a bit. Actually, you know, they actually align more on films that we don't necessarily do as a podcast. Yeah. But quite often we'll see a film or we'll watch it at home and we'll both be like, three, four. Yeah. I think we have quite similar types when it comes to... The films, the type of films that we really, really like don't overlap as much as the ones that we think are all right yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. so after all of that rambling these listeners are chomping at the bit to know what we gave oh out. did we not say no i thought we'd say it. <laughs> three and a half stars yes that's yeah. what we gave it yeah um and i stand by it i think if i was more later. intellectual i probably would have gone a bit higher i wanted it to be a four like i was Trying. I was watching it like, yeah, I can probably get how this is this is going to be a four for me, and then it just lost me at the end. Yeah. um, For that reason, I had to take it down a notch. Only half a notch, really, though. And how gay is it? Oh, I need to get the the gay dar. Well, whilst you do that, I'll tell the listeners where you can watch. Yeah. So if you're listening when this is released, we have used Just Watch, the handy tool. This sounds like a sponsorship, but it's not, um, to see where films are streaming. Um, It's currently on ITVX for free, which probably means that ITV have shown it recently, and then they've got the streaming rights for a couple of months, like BBC iPlayer does that. Um, yeah, I'm always surprised at the sorts of films that are on BBC iPlayer. I think, yeah, it's literally because they've shown it yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah, I imagine um, But other than that, currently not on any other streamers, but it's available to rent for around £2.50 across kind of Amazon, Google Play, and then you can buy it. 
and have it forever for between like four quid on Amazon and ten quid on Apple. So. Yeah, that was more detailed than I was expecting. Well, I'm waiting for you to sort the gaydar out. Oh, come on then. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just play with the buttons and dials for a moment. Okay, we've got the reading. Have you got like a prediction for this? What was the last film we did? We did John Wick. It's gayer than John Wick. It is gayer than John Wick. Yeah. Not by a whole... Great margin, but Do it you not is think? than John Wick. Well, I mean, the next one up is Everything Everywhere, and it's miles off being as gay as that. I think this exists outside of... In a liminal state. Like, this film doesn't exist where LGBT labels are. So, like, when they kiss, it's not, oh, my God, it's two guys kissing, even though one of them is dressed as... and pretending to be a girl that one of them likes. It's almost, the way it explores society, it's almost as if there's no rules, in, you know. Very interesting. So it, I because... feel like it almost operates out of the how gay is it thing that oh, we discuss. Because see, I thought it's a bit gay because of that reason, but I kind of felt like I needed it to be need to be like careful not to suggest that this film is dismantling any sort of gender binary or anything like that. Um, <laughs> don't think it is. <laughs> because it is absolutely still a man in a dress. Yeah. And like we've touched on transphobia and a lot of transphobia is not rooted or necessarily caused by, but isn't helped by the idea that trans people are just... A man in a dress. A man in a dress, or... Yeah, or, I remember seeing on that documentary, heritage. whatever it was called, like, and a lot of trans not... people were saying how it's actually quite problematic to... Yeah, so to, I want yeah. to make sure that it's absolutely clear that this film is not a representation of LGBTQ stuff. But we're two gays, and it appealed to us. We're not. Actually, as well, that I mean, feeling of isolation, if you yeah. really wanted to... Like, if I'd have maybe watched this 10 years ago when I was only just coming out or coming to terms with my yeah. sexuality, you could probably see some of that in Well, it. that is a thing. Like, mental health issues and isolation is rife among LGBTQ youth. Mm. It's not the only demographic that suffers with such things, but there's a lot of it going on. So on that aspect definitely can relate and understand where it's coming from and therefore it does have lgbtq appeal as a film and is also gayer than john wick yeah that's sort of how i think the the gay dower has got us to this this rating cool well lovely hope everyone's enjoyed our first time capsule episode come back for more yeah uh but that's all for this time If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod and check out our letterboxed accounts. The links for those are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, definitely on this one. Yes, yes. (laughs) So please do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye.